0: Did the Penguins get back on track on Saturday night against the San Jose Sharks? Pat and I are going to discuss that plus a lot more on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast.
1: You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Patrick Dam. You can follow him on Twitter at for Wet, And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO. Underscore Penguins, of course. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. down the GameTime app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. So, Pat, Penguins 10, Sharks 2 in a game that a lot of people thought the Penguins were going to lose just because of how they were playing not good heading into this game. The Sharks, obviously, a very bad team, but... The opposite happened where the Penguins played, I thought fairly well, and they blew out the Sharks 10-2, to and let me start by saying this. That Sharks team might be the worst team I have ever watched, and I've been watching this sport for about 20 years at this point. I've seen the 2015 Sabres play games. That team was awful when they were tanking for Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. I've seen past Blue Jackets teams play before they got good in 2014. I've seen, you know, obviously the Blackhawks. Last year I saw the Ducks with how bad they were last year, but that Sharks team is woeful. There was no loyalty on that bench, no spirit, no heart. I felt so bad for the sellout crowd that came out to the SAP Center in San Jose to watch that. And honestly, I felt bad for the last two crowds that have come out and seen their team get outscored 20 to three in these last two games. Penguins, again, they played well. But, Pat, that Sharks team, they are just awful.
1: It's – I mean, I, I got I to gotta go with what Chris Mack said the other day about the Sharks. If you're a Sharks fan at this point, just embrace how bad they are and, and embrace the suck. And if, if you lose by 10 goals again or 8 or 9 goals again, I mean, just start chanting about how badly your, your team has given up goals. Like, treat it right. like pro wrestling and just – jeer and chant for all the bad stuff and really embrace it because it's a historically bad team, man. And I I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know if I want to get to the same point that a lot of people were after the game where they said like, oh, this team's an embarrassment to the National Hockey League and an embarrassment to hockey because Yeah, they're they're very horribly put together and they're a terrible team that doesn't seem to have much fight whatsoever. But they also have some injuries. Some of the guys they wanted to be contributors are dealing with that. Some of the guys they hoped would at least keep them moderately competitive while they hit this rebuild button just haven't done that. So it's not like they nakedly and outwardly put together a woeful team some things have gone wrong and they were already bad enough that if those things went wrong as they have, this is the end result.
0: I agree. And I understand some people may not like tanking in sports, not just hockey in general, but I think sports, but this is what it looks like people. When Mike Greer set this team up to be bad. Now, Do I think he set this team up to be this bad this year? No, no, you don't set up a team to be 0 10 and 1 in their first 11 games. But it was just hard to watch, I felt like, when the Penguins just kept having goal after goal after goal for a team that had been, you know, struggling to score in a lot of their previous games. It felt nice to see the goals come in this one, even though it was at the expense of a really bad team. And we'll just get into that right now. I thought the Penguins played mostly fine in this game, but I'll say this. Were they on their A game in this one? No. No, my friends. I think the Penguins have five more levels to reach than what we saw in this game. I thought the first period, they came out a bit sluggish. They Yes, they had a multi-goal lead pretty quickly. Riley Smith was a beast in that first period. But overall... I thought they were a bit sloppy with the puck. They gave the Sharks a few, too many quality chances in that first period. A much better team, in my opinion, capitalizes on those chances and maybe puts one or two of them past Tristan Jari. I will say Tristan played really well in this game. We'll get more into that a little bit later. But I thought the Penguins were a bit sloppy in that first period. Even honestly, as the game went on, the sloppiness went down a little bit, but it wasn't their A game. And I know sometimes it's hard to bring your A game against a team that's that's bad. I mean, that's just, I think common for any team from the NHL, but I do think the penguins still have things to work on. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is their we're back stuff, or this was their get right game. That's coming this week. When you play two much better teams, the ducks have won six in a row. They just beat the Vegas golden Knights on Sunday night, handing them their first regulation loss this season. They're playing really well. We also just saw them come to Pittsburgh. The Kings have started really hot this year. Those I think will be much bigger tests, but do I think the penguins started something that they can maybe build off of heading into the games this week? Yes. But I'm not ready to sit here and say, Oh yeah, this was the get back game. They're going to go on a 10 game winning streak, all that stuff. Yes. The win is good, but there's still some work to be done. To be done, I think in my opinion,
1: they were supposed to win this game. That's yes. the long and the short of it. I'm not going to pretend like a win is negative, especially with the way this team has started the season You're going to have to take as many wins as you can, however you get them, whenever you get them at this point. But at the same time, you want to see progress from this team, and you saw progress. I think you've seen progress in the last couple of games, regardless of outcome. And they were supposed to go into San Jose and dog walk this team. And that's what they did. They went in, they dropped a 10-burger on the worst team in the league. Their power play went 50%. And they put 35 shots at the net again. They scored 10 goals. Their big boys scored. And some of the depth players decided to show up. So, listen, were they supposed to beat San Jose? Absolutely. They, this is how this was supposed to work. And to all the listeners out there, you're right there with me. You're lying if you say you weren't, you were confident going into this one. Because you knew the way this season is gone. They were so far, they were primed and ready to hand that team their first regulation win in the season. But listen, it's not the get right game, but it's a building block and a stepping stone and we have to treat it as such.
0: I do think overall, it was a complete team performance from all the forward lines, the defenseman and Tristan Jari and net the big gun stepped up in a huge way. Cindy Crosby with a ridiculous pass to Chris Letang late in that game. I, I'm not 200 0 No, that was a beautiful pass. You had Riley Smith really show up. And let's discuss Riley Smith here for just a second, Pat. What an acquisition he's been from Kyle Dubas. He continues to be one of their best forwards. I said when they acquired him, when I knew that Jason Zucker was going to walk, he is going to surprise some people. And it should not shock anyone if he produces at the level that Jason Zucker did last year. Well, he's right on his way to breaking the goals total that Zucker had last year. He's been phenomenal so far this season.
1: Eric Carlson is going to wow you, and he has wowed you all, all season so far. The the numbers may not reflect it, but just the gameplay out of Eric Carlson has been incredible and as advertised. But when all is said and done, the savviest pickup for Kyle Dubas is going to be Riley Smith. Just and they got because, him for a
0: third round pick, people. They didn't give up a thing to get him.
1: And, and this is where a general manager and president like Kyle Dubas thrives because he and the people he surrounds himself with understand the salary cap better than most. So when you have a team like Vegas who wins the Stanley cup and has some unprecedented depth and is going to have to make cuts to get certain players under the cap, a a president and general manager like Kyle Dubas is going to take advantage of that and bring a Riley Smith in for nothing but a third round pick. And he's going to identify a team like the San Jose Sharks, who are going to strip this thing down to the bone and say, what if you take all of our spare parts and you give us an Eric Carlson and we'll toss in some draft picks while we're at it. So Riley Smith is just a great acquisition and I had high hopes for him with Malkin, but I, i I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it, I thought it was going to be this because you have compared it to Malkin and Neil. I think it's going to be better just because I've said it on the show to you. James Neal was a pure sniper. All he did was score goals. He wasn't much of a setup man. Riley Smith is a setup man and a goal scorer. He's
0: His playmaking ability, I think, is one of the more underrated parts of his game. But man, that release is also just a thing of beauty. That first goal that he had to get things going in San Jose did remind you of the Jared McCann release that we saw for a couple of years here in Pittsburgh on the power play. Remember? Like he would come down the point a little bit and just fire that thing glove side it looked very much like a Jared McCann goal. And you know, he's done that countless times in Seattle. But when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that's a little like a Jared McCann release there. It, it just putting him on PP1 has been such a blessing so far. And he's earned that opportunity with how he's played so far. And I really hope that this continues for I mean the rest of the season, I should say.
1: <laughs> yeah. As for the shot, I gotta give a shout out to my old Penns blog cohort and now. Uh, owner of the the one of the best sub stacks you can subscribe to, and Danny Shirey, because I have been thinking about how to describe Riley Smith's shot, and he nailed it. He's always got it loaded up at his hip. He's always got it right there ready to rip or pass. And because both Danny and I have dabbled in coaching, that's something we've always told players when we coach is have your stick at the ready. Don't just have it out in front of you. Don't have one hand on it. Have it right at your strong side on the, on your hip and ready to fire it. And Riley Smith does that. And you saw that in his first goal on the power play on Saturday night. It was off his stick almost as soon as it went on to his stick. It was a, a thing of beauty.
0: I agree. I don't think you could have said it any better than that. Just Again, just overall, I thought the top players were great, Riley Smith and especially the bottom six, and we're going to get to that in the second segment of how great the fourth line was and how I'm going to pat myself on the back for one of the predictions I had for this game. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about... Game Time. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals all in prices, fused from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute Seats find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. All you got to do for this, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodges, joined by my co-host Patrick Damp. So much like what Redeem Zohorna he did to the third line when he first joined it in place of Jansen Harkins, and what he has done since joining it. We got the same thing with Vinny Hinnestroza on Saturday. Kind of like how we both predicted, and I said that there was going to be at least one goal from the fourth line. I did not think there was going to be two goals from the fourth line in this game, but I will gladly take that. I'll still pat myself on the back for that. Both Vinny Hinnestroza and Matt Nieto get their first goals as Penguins against the Sharks, and that line was cooking all game long. At 5-on-5, they were on the ice for about eight minutes, they had 52.9% of the shot attempts, two goals for zero goals against 75% expected goals for rate, 57% scoring chances for rate two high danger chances for no high danger chances against. I'm sorry, Jeff Carter. I think it's time for you to go be a family man at this <laughs> point. You know, in shows that Matt Nieto and Nolich are going to play like this without you on that line. I just thought it was a really nice game from the fourth line overall. I, I know. It's a small sample size. You played the worst team in the league, but I'm still going to take a victory lap on that. But overall, I will say this. want to see what they can do going forward against some better competition. This was good. It's a good start. Let's see if it can continue, but I really like the early sign What we saw the hinojosa achari Nieto line on Saturday night.
1: Again, like I said, we have to give props when they're due. Yes, it's a terrible San Jose team, but you want them to go out and dominate a terrible San Jose team. So much of that in the discussion gets lost is when, you know, you want to see a team get better. You want to see a team improve and do the things they're supposed to do as a winning team. And then you get a, you, you try to downplay it when they do that. Yeah. It's terrible sharks team. They won by eight goals and their fourth line had just under eight minutes of time on ice. It had the highest expected goals for share that. That's what you want them to do. Absolutely. Now are they are, are they going to do that against contenders? Probably not. But if they do what the third line did and have just above 50% of the expected goals percentage against a better team, then that's what you want your fourth line to do. You're not counting on them for offense. You're net and if you, I've said it to you I've said it a million times. If your fourth line's if, if if tweaking your fourth line fixes everything, you got problems way larger than the fourth line. So I like what I saw out of them. I thought they played fast. I thought they played the type of game they needed to play, scored two goals. And listen, I think if, and we're going to talk about it in the next segment, if they play just as well and get a victory on Tuesday against Anaheim, I do think we will see Jeff Carter again on Thursday just because it's back in Los Angeles. And it's a, I don't think it's a long-term thing. I don't think it's going to be, he gets inserted back in the lineup and they keep him there. I think it's going to be, a show of good faith to a guy who's been a good soldier for the last couple of years. He goes back to a place. He won two Stanley cups, had a good career there. And you know, when you, when you play guys in areas like that, they tend to up their game a little bit. At least that makes a
0: little bit of sense because that could be his last time in Los Angeles. If he retires after this year. So I I think I understand what you're saying there.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here advocating for Jeff Carter to get a spot every night again, but if they bank another win on Tuesday night, and this is going to be Jeff Carter's likely last trip to Los Angeles. You let him play. And it doesn't mean you got to trot him out there every third shift. You can you can play the top the, the top 9 a lot more and give him 2-3 shifts in a period.
0: I mean, yeah, if he's getting
1: what 8 minutes of ice
0: time in that game, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. I'm just someone who I I loved what I saw from Henestros on that line. So I'm like, okay, keep rolling with this until you can't roll with it anymore. And then if maybe one of the players struggles with something like that at some point, then okay, maybe you can insert Carter. But I guess I do understand to a degree what you're saying. And hey, if this is Carter's last time in Los Angeles with the success he had there, maybe he plays there one last time, you know, walks off into the sunset
1: after the year, calls it a career, all that good stuff. And and by all accounts, the guy's in the locker room love him. he's, He's a great and. They're going to want to do that for him, whether we as 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 analysts and prognosticators want to admit that that plays a part in sports. Guys love their teammates. And when you have a guy who goes to a place where he won two Stanley Cups, build a legend, and it's probably going to be his last time there, the boys are going to want to play a little bit harder for their guy. They're going to want to see their guy in the lineup and have him go home with a win.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I, I hear where you're coming from. Outside of that, I, I still thought the third line, even though there, there really wasn't m- much offense production from that line, it still played well. You, know, you look at the numbers for it. When they were on the ice, they had about nine minutes of ice time, 64.7% of the shot attempts. They had 58% of the expected goal share. They had 70% of the scoring chances. I'll take that any day, even though, there again, there wasn't much offensive production. But... I'm still liking what I'm seeing from that third line, of course, thanks to, to Zohorna, who has really provided quite the jolt, spark, whatever word you want to use. Still want to see how it does against a couple of the other teams this week. We saw them play really well against the Ducks last Monday, funny enough, and a game that I still will say the Penguins probably should have won. But I st- I'm i still liking the progress I'm seeing from that line. Overall, the bottom six, things are at least trending up right now, Pat, which I'm I'm happy about. Continue to make me eat crow is what. I think what I'm is what I'm trying to say.
1: It's starting to come together. And Over. I would have li- I, I would have liked for it to come together a little quicker because while it wasn't a complete liability early on, it definitely didn't help. And when you're a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, it can't be something close to an active liability early in the season. It, at the very least, like Chris Mack told us, has to be 50 50.
0: Right. No, I, I agree with you on that. Overall, things are good with that part. I thought the power play was also pretty strong in this game, Outside, even outside of Bradley Smith. I thought Evgeny Malkin had a really good game in this one. I discussed that disgusting Sid pass that he had to Crystal Tag. I thought Leteg actually had a – you had this prediction for this game. Crystal Tag, I thought, played really well in this one. So, Pat, how about you pat yourself on the back right now?
1: There you go. There you go.
0: Crystal Tag and – and-
1: I think, and I think Crosby's presence was felt most of the night. Points to, points, and numbers don't show it, but his presence was felt most of the night.
0: It's his 1,200th game, man. Of course he's going to really show up right there because of that milestone. And you know, just to talk about that for just a second, 1,200 games, congratulations to say on that. For a while, it felt like he wasn't going to get there just because of everything he's been through throughout his career. But the fact that he is now there and hopefully has many more games to go before he calls it a career just –
1: outstanding
0: so congratulations to Sid on that. I said it
1: after I said it after his 500th goal man like the the concussion in 2011 in 2012 really I don't want to say it's kept me from ever actually critiquing him cuz I've critiqued him on this very show I've critiqued him on other podcasts and on the radio I just but, did last
0: week it's okay
1: but it really put into perspective for me what a special person and talent he is yeah. And I just savor every moment I've got left watching him play hockey. So knowing that he's played 1,200 games and probably has a couple hundred more left before he hangs them up, man, like just one of the greatest to ever do it. And we've been so damn lucky to get to watch him all these years.
0: I sincerely hope he can get to 1,500 before he calls it. I think that's a... I still think it's a realistic goal, in my opinion, for 300 more games. If he stays healthy, I would love to see him do that, You know, whether he's 40, 41, 42, whenever he decides to call it a career. I think 1,500 games would be a pretty cool mark to see overall. But Sid, congratulations on 1,200. Continues to be one of the greatest players in NHL history. And again, that pass, I continue to say it on the show today. Just absolutely disgusting stuff from the captain. But I think that will do it for the second segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to discuss the performance from Tristan Jari in this one. Plus, P.O. Joseph got back in the lineup. Pat and I are going to give our thoughts on that and how he looked next to Ryan Shea. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Fanboy. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, including spreads. Player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit Fandle.com/slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official betting partner of the NFL, and locked on. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I'm Hunter Hodies, joined by my co-host Patrick Dam. So going off some of the predictions that we made on Friday's episode, you said Tristan Jari was going to give up a howler in this one and Based on the two goals that he gave up, I wouldn't classify those as howlers per se. I will say, though, I thought Tristan had a really good game in this one. He saved the Penguins' butts a few times in the first period where I thought the Penguins were a bit sloppy, just not taking care of the puck. And again, a better team probably finishes those chances. A team that's not 0-10-1 and like the San Jose Sharks. But overall, I thought this was a step in the right direction for Jari. But I want to see it continue against the team on Tuesday night, the Ducks, where he just played one of his worst games of the season last week, and then potentially on Thursday against a Kings team that is one of the best teams in the Western Conference this year. But overall, I thought his puck tracking ability in this game against the Sharks was pretty good. His movement was solid. He was much more aggressive, which, again, when he's actually aggressive, he's on top of his game. And he was swallowing pucks, not giving up any of those weird rebounds that he was against the Ducks. And before that, earlier on in the season – I thought he played a really strong game in this one.
1: Yeah, this might actually be a good spot for a bounce back uh, to call it a get-right game when it comes to Tristan Jari. Said it to Josh Taylor on 93-7 yesterday. The concerning thing for me is that this is only his second non-shutout game where he had a save percentage over 900. So he has to to build off this. And just overall, and we'll preview the game uh, in depth tomorrow, But if you can't get up for tomorrow's tomorrow's game as a Penguins player, don't bother leaving the locker room because just a week ago, this team came into your house. They snatched two points off of you and then they laughed about it. So if you don't have some sort of wounded pride after last week's ducks game going into tomorrow, again, do not bother coming out of the locker room because I'm not going to say that it's, the most important game of the season. But early on, it's going to be one of the most impactful.
0: With how the Penguins played against the Ducks, and again, I thought they outplayed the Ducks in that game, but they were let down by Jari. Tristan, of all people, needs to show up in this game. Because I do think against the Ducks, the skaters really showed up in that game, especially the top six hex. The third line was tremendous in that game against the Ducks. I thought Lars Eller played his best game as a Penguin. Last week against them, I thought redeem Zahorna was also great. Drew O'Connor had some chances. I don't think it was the fault of the skaters that they lost that game. Maybe outside that that five-on-three power play at the end, but you know we already crushed. I at least crushed the five-on-three last week. I don't need to go into that again. But Tristan, if you can't get up for this one, you know I, I don't know what you got to do at this point. But that needs to be a big game to show that. You know what? That wasn't me last week against the Ducks where I was just giving up goals right after my team gave me a lead. And we'll preview this in depth on Tuesday, as Pat said, but that's where I also really want to see if the improvement we saw on Saturday against the Sharks was for real. So we'll discuss that a little bit more on Tuesday. Outside of that, we did see another lineup change on Saturday. Chad Riedel comes out of the lineup. P.O. Joseph draws back in, plays with Ryan Shea. I thought that pairing was fine. I thought Pio Joseph was carrying the puck pretty well up the ice. He really wasn't burned defensively at all. And, you know, I know you're probably not going to get burned defensively by the Sharks at this point, but I thought he played a pretty responsible game. Do I think he could be better? Absolutely. But you got to give him a little bit more of time here to, you know, just get back in the lineup a little bit, find his footing. He's been scratched for, was it about the last week, week and a half at this point? But I thought it was a nice first game back for him, knocking off the rust a little bit. I would expect him in that game against the Ducks on Tuesday night. But overall, I thought it was at least a little bit of a mini step in the right direction. I, I still think the third pairing is at its best when P.O. Joseph is on that left side. And then whoever you want to pair him with on the right side, whether it's O'Reilly, Ryan Shea, you know, if, when John Lundley comes back, maybe he's there. But again, I still think the third pairing is at its best when P.O. is on that left side. And I thought he was totally okay in this one.
1: Yeah, the, the numbers don't bear it out that he was that good. Uh, he only – he had the lowest expected goal percentage individually on 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 the team. But well, I test for the
0: numbers, I guess.
1: <laughs> right, right. And, I, and the other thing I was going to say is he was paired a lot with the third line. Right. And they, they had the lowest uh, expected goals. So it's kind of a hand-in-hand kind of thing. But overall – I agree, and I've been saying this all year. I didn't like the decision to take him out of the lineup. Yes, I thought he struggled. Yes, I thought he had some issues early, but he's the kind of player at the kind of age where you have to let him work it out. You have to give him a handful of games to figure it out. You can't pull the leash back as soon as he screws up because that's only going to hurt his confidence and development. And I think this West Coast trip, like a lot of the rest of the team, is a really good opportunity for him to stick in the lineup, to work these things out, and become a, become a regular in the lineup, excuse me. And listen, like we've been talking about, tomorrow night's a huge one. Everybody's got to be ready to show up. Right. now, this is – this, I think, could be the get-back
0: game for the Penguins. If you could come out there, play a really good game against a Ducks team that's won six in a row – get closer back to being 500 going into that game against the Kings. I think a lot more of the fan base will be like, okay, you know, maybe we're back at this point. And then of course the rest of the November schedule is also really tough as well. But I think that will do it for this episode of the locked on penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. Pat and I will be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday, previewing that game against the ducks. It's another late night start. One of my favorites. I don't work until 11 on Wednesday, so I will stay up for this one. Kudos to everyone who stayed up on Saturday night, and especially kudos to everyone who will stay up for this one on Tuesday and then on Thursday because I know people have to get up for work and school the next morning, so you know these games don't end until 12.31. I know it can be a bit difficult, but we'll preview that game on Tuesday. We'll recap it on Wednesday, then get you all set for the Kings game later this week, and then recap that one on Friday. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday.